Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. get a chance to talk to uh, Robbie Gallaty. He's written another book, and this one is incredibly personal because he chronicles his story of addiction and um, how addiction led him back to God. And frankly, he is so gifted, and you start to wonder um, how he got off track in the first place. And so we're going to find out that today. Robbie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah. You know, you uh, you and I uh, both grew up Catholic. We love church, right? I love church. Amen. I love Amen. It. Me yeah. too. You know, I grew up with uh, a pretty good religious home. I mean, my parents were middle class, uh, hardworking family and uh, really sacrificed a lot to uh, give me the things I had and brought me to church. And I, I grew up loving church but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus personally. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until years later in college, I was at a Baptist college that I heard uh, that I could have a relationship with Christ, but I wasn't ready to receive Christ then. So I rejected the gospel at this Baptist college I was going to. Uh, and really by the providence of God, I wound up there on a basketball scholarship. So uh, it's cool how the Lord works. And, you know, even when you don't think God's working, he's always up to something, right? Totally. And uh, he, he has me there and I hear the gospel. But I would remember that and tuck that away seven years later when it would come to fruition. I'd always tell people, don't ever underestimate the power of the sown seeds of the gospel in the hardened hearts of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, Bill, I'm like the last guy who would ever come to Christ. I mean, I want you to think of that guy in your life, like no way this guy would ever surrender to Christ. But the Lord used those sown seeds to bring me to faith in him many years later. So don't ever underestimate what God could do when you share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, chat about recovered, how an accident, alcohol and addiction led me to God. So I would love to hear about the accident, the alcohol and the addiction. I was like most people listening who uh, really are led to a drug addiction or a, or a pharmaceutical addiction. I, I got into an accident. So I legitimately was in pain, right? I mm-hmm. went to the doctor and uh, the doctor said, uh, you're going to go home with four things. And so I'm 22 years old, never taken drugs before in my life, but I'm in pain. So I go home with Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet. Okay. And for those listening, you know where this leads. I mean, within three months, I'm addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. You bet you uh, are. I have this insatiable desire to get high. I, I can't work anymore. I can't train. I was training uh, MMA fighting at the time. I talk about all this in the book. Uh, I was legitimately in pain, and so I'm addicted to drugs. And I've got to find a way to fill this insatiable desire to get high. And so uh, a friend of mine tells me, Robbie, why are you fooling with pharmaceutical drugs when you can fool with street drugs? heroin and cocaine. You can buy it in bulk. You can bag it, sell it and fuel your habit. And so at the time I was desperate. And so I took the the knowledge I had from the business world and I brought it into the drug world. And uh, I started this illegal import business where in the beginning I had tons of money. I mean, I, I was very successful. I made a lot of money. Uh, but with any kind of addiction, 
the addiction was overwhelming and uh, I couldn't pay the bills anymore. I couldn't provide for myself. And so I did something. I talk about this in the book, but I'm not proud of. I, I stole from my own family for $15,000, uh, almost bankrupted the family business. Um, my dad had a collision center and over three months I periodically charged on the family bank account. And I'll never forget the phone call from my mom. My mom calls me on the phone after she finds out. And she says, Robbie, I want you to know your father is furious and I'm disappointed. Don't you ever come to this house again. Oh, wow. And in my, and, and this is, if, if you, if you read the book, you realize that my parents are really close. I'm a half, I'm half Italian. My dad's almost full-blooded Italian and a very close, tight-knit Roman Catholic Italian family. This was a shot across the bow for me. Uh, this is something that was very difficult for mom and dad to do, but let me just pull over and park here. This is what saved my life. It was the, the tough love for my parents that basically saved my life. And so mom and dad basically ended this relationship and kicked me out the house. Now, let me just speak to the parents who are listening or the family members who are dealing with this addiction now, because always when you have a perpetual drug addiction bill, it's the re result of an enabler. And if you're that enabler, let me just say you're doing it because you love your kids, right? You mm -hmm. want the best for them. You love your family members, but you're actually perpetuating their death. And here's what I mean. Any long-term drug addiction is the result of an enabler, and it always leads to three areas, jail, institution, or death. And there's no, I mean, obviously rehab and recovery, but jail, institution, or death, if you're on that trail, and my mom actually said, no more coming home. And what she did was she created a bottom. So here's the line I want to give you. And I give this to a lot of parents. I've counseled family members and people on addiction for the past 15 years. And here's the line I've come up with. If you keep being their savior, Jesus never can be. Mm -hmm. And Bill, if you think about it, I mean, why would they turn to Christ when they have mom, right? Or why would they turn to to God when they have dad. And my parents created this bottom to where I had to get so low to where I was ready to turn and surrender my life to Christ. Did you get to be a pretty good con man or manipulator? Because, you know, a mother's heart or a dad's heart can be pretty tender and pretty workable if you, if you know how to work it. Yeah. I mean, I was a master manipulator. Uh, the rent was always due twice a month. The phone <laughs> bill was always due three times a month. You know, I was always asking uh -huh. for money and my parents, you know, they, they love me and they cared for me. But here's the thing I, I tell parents, tough love is really difficult. It, it, the reason it's called tough love is it's tough. However, you have to get to a place where you're not going to fund the death of your child. And so there has to be a level of faith when you turn them over to the Lord my parents turned me over basically to the Lord and they prayed that I would get right with God or right, you know, get my life right. And eventually I did. And so I went to rehab, uh, actually went to rehab twice. I talk about that in the book. And the reason I went to two rehabs is because the first two times I tried to do it without Christ. Uh, the first time I did it without Christ, second time I did it without Christ. After coming home from the second rehab, I remembered what the gospel that was told to me seven years before in college. And there I was. I wasn't in a church service. I wasn't in a revival service. I was in my room. And I cried out to the Lord. And I, and I didn't know much of the gospel. But I tell people I took as much faith as I had. And I put it, put it in as much of Christ as I knew. 
And that's really all it takes to be saved, right? You don't need to know all the finer tenets of soteriology and eschatology and justification by faith. I just knew that I was a sinner and I knew I couldn't save myself. And so I had this radical Paul-like conversion. Uh, The conversion was so radical, Bill. I went to my dad who was Catholic. And remember, he doesn't even have a category for what I'm about to tell him. <laughs> I, said, I said, Dad, God called me to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he looks up at me from his recliner and he's thinking, what are you smoking, son? You right. know, a preacher, like anything but a preacher. And he doesn't even know what to say. So he says, like, how are you going to get married, Robbie, by being a priest? And he thought, you know, necktie and the robe and all that. And I said, no, Dad, I'm not going to be a priest. And so here's what happened. For the next nine months, I wandered in the Christian faith. Uh, I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to memorize scripture. I mean, I didn't even know I should do these things. And so here I was, I'm at church one Sunday. I'd been praying for a season of time for someone to invest in me. And this seminary student by the name of David Platt, uh, he's a he's a seminary student. And for those who don't know, he's a, he's the author of, of a book called Radical. And uh, he would go on to pastor churches. He's now the pastor of McLean Bible Church in in the D.C., Virginia area. But back then, he's a seminary student. And David comes across church one Sunday, and he's like, hey, man, would you be interested in meeting once a week to study the Bible, memorize Scripture, and pray? I said, David, I would love to. He said, pray about it. I said, I already have. When do we meet? And for the next two years, every week, we started at the Chinese restaurant over General Tso's Chicken and we went to the pizza place and, and ate pizza. And then eventually, David encouraged me to go to seminary. I became his assistant. I traveled the world with him. And I tell people, the reason I'm so passionate today about making disciples is because I'm the product of it. And I know a lot of people never have the benefit of being discipled, which is why I've been on a mission ever since becoming a believer to really champion the cause of disciple making because for me, it was the difference that made all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the reason I am where I am today. Robbie, that's a huge game changer. That story is so powerful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I tell people, people hear my story and they say, man, I don't have a story like you. I don't have a, a radical transformation experience. Or I, I wasn't as bad off as you are or you were. And I tell people, your outside appearance in life may not be the same. The, the same struggles may not be there. But we all struggle with sin, and we all have a sin problem that we need a Savior to address. And so regardless of where you are, what I want you to hear, and, and people who read the book will, will hopefully be encouraged by certain things in the book that are different but similar. I want people to see this, that if God can change me, like God can change anybody, mm-hmm. God can do more in your life in a moment than any man or woman could ever manufacture in a lifetime. Just because we're Christians, just because we're born again, doesn't insulate us from the effects of sin or challenges in life. Uh, A year and a half after becoming a Christian, Hurricane Katrina comes through New Orleans in in the middle of seminary semester. Candy and I were married for a short time, and we packed everything we owned, Bill, in a suitcase, took our dog and left. The hurricane came through and destroyed everything. We lost everything from our wedding gifts and our clothes and our car and our computers and our every video of me growing up as a child, every basketball video, every picture. My parents had 12 feet of water. I had eight feet. My sister had 15 feet of water. And for a season there, I was thinking, really, God, you know, like I, I lost everything once. But here I am losing everything again. 
And the Lord showed me a valuable principle there. He had to take away everything to show me that Jesus was everything and the only thing I needed. But he also showed me this, and this is such a cool insight, that when we're down to nothing, God's always up to something. Mm. And God was using the hurricane, a horrific event in the life of my family, to bring my mom, dad, and sister to saving faith in him. And they watched, this is so cool, they watched from a distance how God was blessing me and Candy. And they were seeing that in their own life. And they were saying, wow, we're not getting this from our church and our friends. And God used us losing everything to bring my my parents and my father, uh, mother and sister to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the happiest news I can ever hear in life, Robbie, is what you just told me. I mean, uh, my, my favorite team winning the Super Bowl, eh, don't care. Hearing stories like this is the ones that make me truly happy. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, material things are great to have and, you know, accolades and achievements. But now my dad became my biggest and first disciple after he got saved. I was discipling my dad over the phone from a distance. And it was so cool because my dad's calling me and saying, you know, I didn't realize Jesus had brothers and sisters. You know, so here's a here's a 66-year-old man, you know, mm-hmm. 65-year-old man who's reading the Bible with fresh eyes, and I get the privilege of navigating and helping him guide through the scriptures. Man, what a joy the Lord has given me to be able to do that for my family. Yeah, no kidding. Let me take a little break. Robbie Gallaty is my guest. His book is called Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. We'll take a short break and be right back. show i have on my skype line robbie gallaty he's written a credible book called recovered how an accident alcohol and addiction led me to god and robbie right before we went to break we were uh, chatting about you discipling your dad and how awesome that is and how sometimes people will say boy i don't have the kind of story you have and i always think of revelations 317 that says you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked that's all of us Mm, yeah we're all you know savior yeah, I mean, it, it just reminds me of my own testimony. People always ask me, how have you stayed so passionate about the things of God? How have you stayed so fresh in the ministry? And here's what I want people to realize. Regardless of your testimony or where you've been or what God saved you from, you should never get to a place where you get over being saved, right? Totally. Like, like Paul, Paul was never uh, over the fact that one day he was blind, literally, and now he saw through Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should never get over being saved. There was a day when we were dead in our trespasses, aliens and strangers to God, separated from him under the wrath of God, Ephesians two says, and God seated us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus by grace. We've been saved. like, we should never get over the fact that God saved us. But the challenge is the longer you're a Christian, the longer you're in church, we become more institutionalized and domesticated in the church. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. And the the things that were once exciting to us become commonplace. Uh, I was speaking to someone, I was doing an interview this morning. I was talking to someone about just reading scripture. And, and this, is a, this is a thing that happens to all of us, Bill. Uh, when, when you read scripture over and over again, 
what happens is it becomes what, what I call the lullaby effect. And I think somebody said this before me, but, but I call it the lullaby effect. What that means is when you hear it and it's familiar, it loses its excitement. It loses its luster, if you will. Uh, and I liken it to my son, Ryder. Like my wife, Candy, every time she puts the boys to sleep, since they were children, they want to hear, you are my sunshine. I know it's kind of hokey, but they love it. And they're two really like strong boys, but they love to hear their mom sing. And the <laughs> moment my wife, Candy, starts to sing, the eyes start to shut and they go to bed. And it's just familiarity and they get to hear it. Well, the same thing could happen with Scripture. Right. Like because you've read the same passage over and over, you get in this lullaby kind of effect where you miss some of the really insightful details in the Bible. And that should never happen to us. Right. Like we should read the same text over and over again. And because we have the spirit of God and because the Bible is living and active, we should never get to the place where it becomes commonplace. Mm -hmm. And I want to just say this to you to think about the Bible. You never graduate from the Bible. Right. Like you don't there's not like another book. There's not another right. course. There's not another sign up sheet. I mean, the Bible is the textbook. And that's what's so cool about it. You never exhaust the Bible. It's rich and deep and wide and you never can exhaust the depth of it, depths of it. Mm -hmm. Robbie, I wouldn't mind if you would take me back to a 22 year old Robbie who's got uh, two herniated discs in his neck and back and you're on pharmaceutical uh, opioids. Let me ask you. What accountability did you have back then in those days? Were you off on your own, kind of taking as many as you wanted? Was your mom calling you saying, Robbie, how's your pain level today? How many have you taken? What was that like back then? And that's a great point. There was no really accountability back then. Uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons people fall even today. And even in my own life, that's what's helped me in the ministry and as a Christian is I have healthy parameters set in my life. Because I know, like people listening, what takes a lifetime to build in a testimony can be destroyed in a moment, right? I mean, like we could, with one bad decision, bad con we can destroy our lives in a moment. And that's why accountability is so important. Back then, I didn't have any. It was free reign. I was doing what I wanted. I wasn't a Christian, obviously, so I didn't understand the value of accountability. But back then, I didn't have much of it. Uh, but, but let me speak to that. 22-year-old or 25 or 19-year-old listening today who's struggling maybe with this, or maybe the parent of one of those, those, those students or, or, or one of those teenagers struggling with addiction. Let me just speak to you for a moment. Your life's not over. Like the final chapter of your life is yet to be written. So don't underestimate what God could do if you truly surrender to your life or to give your life truly to him. And I want you to understand if there's life, there's breath. And there's, and there's breath, there's hope. And so don't underestimate and think, well, God's, you know, God's passed over me or my life's too bad, or you don't understand. And you're right. I don't understand, but I do know what God's done in my own life. And I really believe God can change your life in a, life in a moment if you surrender completely to him. That's a beautiful message. And it's absolutely true. So if someone is, uh, has a, a shoulder surgery or a herniated disc, like you had, is your counsel uh, to parents and loved ones to make sure that there's um, someone allocating how much pain meds they get and trying to be as good a steward as possible of the medication they have on them? Yeah, that's a great point. So I just had uh, an appendicitis attack this summer where I was put into the hospital for emergency surgery. 
And obviously, because of the pain level, and I tried to manage without, I had to take pain meds. Uh, but one of the things I put in place is I have my wife, who's my accountability partner. As soon as I left the hospital, they gave me pain medication to take home. And obviously, it was about four or five pills because I didn't want a lot. Mm -hmm. But I gave them to my wife. And I was able to make it with only taking one pill when I got home. And we flushed the rest. Wow. And I say that to say... Now, uh, and, and what I tell people is Advil and Tylenol are pretty powerful if taken the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is many times we go get a tooth fixed or, you know, we have a back injury and we go home with Oxycontin or, or, or Percocet and we get hooked within six to 10 days because there are no parameters. So I would just say use somebody in your life to administer the medication to you, even if you have, like me, 17 years of sobriety. Even 17 years of sobriety, I still do not take any chances with the medication because I know whenever we have a window open for the enemy or a foothold, he comes in quickly. So no one sets out to ruin their life, right? I mean, like nobody says, I'm going to get on this medication, uh, lose my marriage, alienate myself from my kids, lose my job and wind up. Home. Nobody says that, but it happens. And so you, you just have to know sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay, and it'll always cost you more than you ever want to pay. And so just be, be, be cognizant that that is a real temptation and protect mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. Robbie, I know because this is such a big topic and there's so many people involved, can we close our time out? Would you pray for the people who are especially hurting right now? I would love to. And Excellent. I will say this, the, the last half of the last chapter of the book, I wrote two people struggling and parents of people struggling. And I give seven to eight practical steps you can take awesome. immediately to experience victory. So let me pray. Awesome. Uh, Father, I know this is um, this is a very difficult season of life for those struggling and even the parents uh, who are the byproducts of addiction. I pray right now, God, you would show them Jesus, you're the answer to the problem they face. You're the solution to the situation they're in and that they would surrender their life completely to you. And you would work in ways that would be even miraculous to them. You'd take the pain away. You'd take the guilt away. You'd take the shame away. Be with the parents uh, who are coming alongside those they love. Give them strength and grace. And God, we look forward to a wonderful testimony of how you're going to use this in their life. We love you, Lord. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Robbie, thank you so much for doing the show, and congratulations on a beautiful book, so beautifully written. Thank you so much. You bet. Robbie Gallaty has been my guest. His book is called Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. I'm so delighted to be uh, talking to Mark Allard. He is the Faith Radio Network engineer, and he's been with Faith Radio for 44 years. Does that sound about right? Uh, 40. 40? Yeah. I heard 44. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to do the interview now because I heard 44. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's all right. You. That's, that's all right. So 40 years ago, you showed up here on the campus, and you took over from who? Uh, back in the day, I was uh, a uh, an assistant to Ron Halbeger. <laughs> I don't know that name, but he was a legend, obviously. Yes. And you took over from, from Ron? Um, well, actually, I never became the radio engineer. Okay. I've always been behind the scenes here, making sure that all the signals get from here to there. So your job is what, Mark? Tell me specifically, because I know that without Mark Allard around, nothing happens, nothing works. No one's no one's on the air, including me. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why I oh. care specifically about you. Well, for starters, I make sure that people get their boxes delivered to their office. Well, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, in the afternoons, I, I get away from my desk from sitting so long and yeah. get some exercise and walk around the building. And awesome, awesome. But he literally delivers our packages to our desks. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, all right. That one I missed out because you've never brought a package to my desk, as far as I as far as I know. But that's just the kind of guy you are. Now, you're going to retire this month after 40 years. Yes. And I find that to be quite a career. So thank you for your, your work and your service. Yes, it's been quite a run, I yeah. tell you. Talk about technology and how it's changed over 40 years. Oh, my goodness. What did it start with 40 years ago? Was it just the reel-to-reel? How did things work back then? Uh, well, we were relying on reel-to-reels, and uh, cassettes were a, a thing. Those are not uh, very dependable, are they? No, they're not. They're, uh, and they break and they, and they break. mess up. They like to eat things. Oh, my. You know? Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, but that was a cost-effective way for a lot of the organizations to eat their programs sent around the nation uh, because would, of the postage. They would send cassette tapes? Oh, yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. You mean they would record a program and they'd send it somewhere on a cassette? Uh, what would the sound quality be like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not really a word, Mark. Uh, just, you're making noises now. Sometimes those cassettes did make noise. That yeah. was about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then what was the first technology breakthrough that you kind of got excited about? Seeing uh, the advantages of going with uh, CD. CD? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, CD became a, a thing probably around... 82 or yeah. something like and, that, and it grew from there. And now there are expensive coasters in our homes. Uh, you just well, put your coffee on a CD, <laughs> right? Because they're gone. Uh, well, not in my book. I, okay. I still rely on them a lot because uh, they still hold up to the quality of, uh, of being uh, as close as you can get to, to uh, high-quality stuff. Okay. So you still like CDs? I do. Yeah. 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 So uh, how many... Uh, well, you, the chief engineer here, so you got to make sure, because I've been in the studio on a number of occasions when things have fallen apart, and you walk in, calm and collect, and I'm I'm panicking because we got to get back on the air, and you come in like another day at the office. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is okay. that about your personality? Uh, about my personality, I panic at the drop of a hat. <laughs> you just don't show it. Oh, uh, well, the the deal is I, I know my weaknesses, at least I hope I do, and one of those is to try and have, you know, plan A mm -hmm. is for you to do your, your normal routine and such, 
but it's nice to have a plan B and a plan C in your side pocket in case things fall apart. Mm-hmm. And hopefully plan B is structured well enough that all it takes is a push button to be able to get us onto that plan and still yeah. stay in the air. Yeah. Now, as a, a person who's on the air, I do my show. I'm very happy about that. But I can sometimes then just go home and assume, you know, the next show is going to air and everything's going to be fine. But uh-huh. you're the person that has to make sure this thing is operating and you're kind of on call 24-7, aren't you? Uh, I think so, at least in my, in my uh, you know, alleged in my own mind. Yeah. Yes, I think I'm on 24-7. Yeah. So do you have some stories over the last 40 years of, of crisis moments or things that you thought, how am I going to get out of this one? Oh, my. Are those too many? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I have memories of walking out the door of the, of the transmitter building when we used to broadcast uh, in a, off of Duluth Street in Golden Valley. And looking in the antenna, and the antenna was smoking as if it were on fire. <laughs> yeah. Was that a problem? A slight problem, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the cause of that, and how did you solve it? Uh, the cause was that the, the antenna element at the top of the tower had broken down, and it was shedding uh, copper dust down the inside of the transmission line. Mm-hmm. And so all that copper dust started turning into a short circuit wow, and causing things to overheat. And uh, when I looked at the antenna, it had white smoke coming streaming yeah. off the side. Did we call Mr. Fireman? What did we do? Uh, turn the transmitter off. That's okay. all it took. And that's, that was it? That was it. Yeah. Well, that that's... was a close call, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. do you sleep in the building? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't, but it seems like you're always here. Uh, I'm... You're like a stealth person. You're so yeah. always moving around and, you, you know, you're always kind of... Stealth. I have to make sure. I, I do, do a lot of on-location recordings, so I have a bad habit of walking around softly. And yes, I spook you... people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. And you've got a knack for knowing how to move softly and quietly and yeah. come in and out of the studio. And you make mo- no no noise. So that's really impressive. <laughs> it, it really is. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right, 40 years. Um, did you ever think that maybe I should stop doing this and go do something else? or uh, This is what God's called you to do, huh? This this has been uh, more of a mission than yeah. it has been a job. Did you show up with most the, the knowledge you had when you arrived on the job, or did you learn half of what you know now based on just on-hands training? Uh, it's been more of... Uh, Hands-on okay. training, it's its like uh, uh, the school of hard knocks, You or, or I like to call it the Edison method. You learn 2,000 ways things don't work, and yeah. you finally figure out a way yeah. that it does, yeah. and you build on that. Yeah. Were you a guy, Mark, that was able to wipe his feet on the mat and go home at night, or do you lay in bed with your mind turning and twisting oh. over how you're going to make something better? I've been I've been known to talk in my sleep about electronics. <laughs> yeah, my wife has vouched, vouched for that. Really? Because yes. I've seen you look at these schematas of electronics, and I I think you you understand that. The uh, fact is, you do. Oh my! Yeah. Well, what was your training? I mean, what 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 was it? when you were a kid? What were you What were you like? Did you take apart transistor radios and put them back together? Oh, uh, when I was a kid. Um, I took an interest in playing with batteries and light bulbs and that sort of thing back when I was like five years old. Yeah, that explains a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else like related to technology that you're drawn to uh, that you like? You're never a ham radio operator no. or anything. Where, yeah, that's. No. Um, mostly I was fascinated by uh, the the mechanics of good audio. In, okay. o- in other words, uh, even as a young kid, all of four and five years old, I, I was fascinated listening to something like Tchaikovsky. Really? On a 45. That's crazy. Uh, and um, from there, it just kind of went from there. I, 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 I had a bad habit of, uh, uh, let's see, uh, carnal knowledge here. I had a bad temper. And, and I remember uh, when I was, uh, oh, probably 10 or 12 years old, having a fit, breaking my toys, and then I spent the next couple of days trying to figure out how to put them back together again. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it all started, huh? Yeah, it made yeah. me the technician I am today. Yeah, Something I, like I, that. I like that. So when you spend all of your day uh, being in technology, what do you do when you go home? Do you relax or do you go back to more technology? Do you have technology hobbies at home? Um, mostly uh, it doesn't get turned off. Mo- mostly with, with my, with the, with the um, tools that I have been given from above, uh, I, I feel that this has been my main focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I probably around 19, especially around 1970 and thereafter, had a lot of interest in uh, working with uh, teams of people or individual musicians doing on-location recording. Uh, I got, was able to have the benefit of getting in on a couple of uh, vinyl projects Nice. That sort of thing. And I was interested in, um, I was drawn to people who were putting uh, the Word of God to music. And that just kind of built and built from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, from 1970 to 1980, I was working in retail downtown Minneapolis. And I was uh, blessed with so many, what I call, so many divine encounters of people who were involved in the music industry like this mm-hmm. or uh, or from there, uh, people who either worked at Northwestern or were students at Northwestern or were parents of kids who were going here. <clears throat> and and through that, that uh, retail store that I was working at got to know well over a dozen people that were working here at the time. And that's how you ended up here. That's that's kind of it was it was so not so much uh, what I knew but who I knew, mm-hmm. and uh, the day came in the late seventies when I got a call from uh, uh, one of the uh, engineers here who was on furlough. For those who are may remember the Teasdales, uh, he was uh, when he was on furlough he would help out with engineering here at KTIS, and he gave me a call and said they were looking for somebody in engineering, and my name was on the list. Wow, and then you blink, and 40 years later, you're going to retire. Yeah. Yeah, what... Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it. Uh, your careers can go quickly, can't they? I mean, that chunk of time called career. Yeah, life, life is but a whisper. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I guess we're going to take a break here in just a minute. Uh, but I, I was looking at some proverbs. I love Proverbs, I love Psalms, and I've been reading more of Ecclesiastes lately. And I've got a verse okay. out of Ecclesiastes for you, Mark Allard. Are you ready for this? I'll try. All right. In yeah. chapter 3, verse 22, it says, So I saw that there was nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. 
Wowie. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? So what happens after them? You know, you you, oh. you took over 40 years ago, and, and you have run this uh, radio station with excellence and integrity, and you have kept us on the air. And I'm always curious, because when I'm driving and I'm listening to Faith Radio, and I all of a sudden hear this lapse <laughs> of sound, and I go, <gasps> what happened? <laughs> you yes. know, and my response is obviously going to be quite different from yours, but uh, I'm thinking... <laughs> Yep, Mark Allard's in there doing something. Oh, so putting out a fire, doing something. Uh, so we're going to take a little break. Mark Allard is my guest. Uh, Mark has been the engineer here at Faith Radio for 40 years. He's retiring this month. And uh, if you don't know Mark, um, it's your loss. But I don't know how you're going to get to know him because he's taken off. So anyway, we'll be right back with Mark. Mark Allard. Mark has been our engineer here at Faith Radio Network for 40 years, and uh, he's retiring this month, and I have to get him in the studio and talk to him about his career here at at Faith Radio. And right before we went to break, I was sharing with him a a passage out of Ecclesiastes, and uh, I think there's, says in verse uh, 22, chapter 3, so I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, and Mark has enjoyed his work, and you've set an example of uh, of excellence and uh, compassion and love, and you've always had a kind word for everybody. So where did all that come from? Oh, boy. Uh, that's a loaded question. Am I, I'm a micromanager, so I have, I, have to, I, have, I have to try and break that down a bit. Yeah, this is a hard-hitting interview, Mark. <laughs> you know, your, your next oh. phase of your career was dependent on how this goes. Oh, my. Well, uh, yeah, to to kind of take off on on where I'm at right now and 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 the future, I've been praying about this this time, upcoming time and and the answer that I've been getting has been, don't worry about the future. Future will take care of itself. I I don't know what I'm going to be getting myself into, uh, but I've been given. Uh, uh, a few talents that I've put to work here, and the answer has been keep using them. Focus on today. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, what you can. Do you see yourself drifting back into more music? I don't think so. Okay. The the uh, the spirit is rolling, but the body is weak. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking of uh, Psalm one twenty one too. It says, starting in verse uh, five, I believe, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Mm. Uh, To me, when you're stepping into that phase called the next phase, you know, there's got to be some retirement attached to that. It's awfully nice to know that the Lord will be watching over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Yes, and as I have grown older, I've come to cherish the, those promises that, that come out of the Word that, that can give us such peace, mm-hmm. peace of mind that's beyond all understanding, especially in trying times like we're going through now. Mm-hmm. 
The Chinese have a proverb that says, always keep calm in an emergency. Are you Chinese? <laughs> You're not, are you? No. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> so uh, tell me where you get the calm in the emergency, because I think we are all in a place in life right now where there's so much emergency all around us. And I look at you and I go, you know, Mark Allard is always calm. I don't get it. And I saw you one time where I thought he might be a little frustrated right now, but that was it. <laughs> oh, one my. time. One time. You are so kind. No, I'm, I'm, oh, man. I'm just reporting the news. I'm not making stuff oh. up. The best answer I can give to that is that I am so happy to be working with a team of folks that we all have the same boss. That's so true. We have the same father. And we all have a, a similar mission. We've all been given different talents, but we're, we're all working towards a similar goal and pers- professing the word and trying to make other folks known, mm-hmm. uh, know of it. And, yeah. and so when it, when it comes time like that, uh, especially with the, with the advent of technology getting so massive, so many different, different things, different tools that can, can be used to get from here to there, uh, I find that I'm having to lean more and more on the on the work uh, workers that are around me, and uh, that becomes a, a team effort, and and that makes the load a, a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, as an expert in your industry, when you start to think 40 years ago, you had the reel to reel, and then the cassettes that were not very stable. Did you ever? Could you ever have imagined that people would be holding in their hand a cell phone that would be? Uh, more powerful than like a supercomputer from 25 years ago, and they're live streaming oh. the show uh, off their phone. Uh, that uh, just totally boggles in my mind, especially with the picture that comes to mind are the things people are doing with their so-called watch now. Oh, I know. I mean, there's there's more power in that watch than there was in the uh, NASA trips to the moon. I, I know. Mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, Mark, with... Uh, uh, what's ahead starting in July, your last day is the end of this month. Yes. How strange will that be to walk out of this building? I don't know. That's, uh, what are that's your going emotions? Back to my, that's going back to my prayer. Okay. Um, I don't know what the future brings, and yeah. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what it's going to be like to turn off a mission. Yeah, I, exactly. I just, just don't know. Yeah. Um, you probably have thought... Uh, about what it what's going to feel like to wake up in the morning and go I guess I'm not heading over to Faith Radio today. I can just pick up my to-do list at home for my wife. <laughs> She's uh, going to keep me more busy gonna... there than oh, yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, you're going to beg to come back, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how long is that list going to be? Oh long, my. Well, I tell folks as soon as I knock one item off the top, another one gets stuffed on the bottom. Yeah. So, and yeah. you have children? Two lovely ladies. Two lovely girls. And yes. uh, how, how old are they? How much time do I have? You've got another four minutes, I believe. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, so two minutes a girl. Oh, boy. Let's see. As long as my wife is not listening. Well, she probably won't be. 34 and... <laughs> oh, God. So 30, they were born 36, while you were here working. Or something like that. I met my wife here. Oh, fantastic. Let's hear about that love story. Uh, she was a receptionist. And really? And we both... St- were employed here all about almost the same time. And you were loitering at the front desk instead of working. Not I think exactly. I've heard enough. Not exactly. Really? No. Uh, what happened? Uh, well, by nature, I'm a nocturnal kind of guy. And when I was hired, the management were more than happy to see me have that trait because I could come in after supper 
and work until the sun came up. And, really? And work in the studios and do my thing and fix stuff. That's uh, not nocturnal. I mean, that's a vampire kind of thing. <laughs> Seriously, that's an all-nighter. Uh, yeah, all-nighter. Yeah. Yep. yep. And you could do that. Uh, I could do that. Okay. Yes. So you you met your wife and here. She was working daytime, so after a while, uh, we discovered that uh, we both worked at the same place. So. Okay. <laughs> and she would hand you a donut on your way home to sleep? Uh, something like that. Something like uh, that? Uh, we, we found that we uh, were attracted to each other. Uh-huh. A liking to each other, and and uh, after a year and a half, got married. Did you get married here on campus? No. Okay. Her uh, her home turf is Fargo, so we got oh, nice. married out there. And you realize we have a station there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to spring, <laughs> I don't mean to spring that on you with just you know twenty five days left to go of your employment. K F N W and Fargo went on the air on her birthday. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So are you gonna? Um, Take a little trip when you get done with your last day. What are you going to do? What's the first thing you're going to do that you and your wife kind of celebrate? <sighs> I just don't know. Really? I uh, Whenever I need uh, assistance with social events, I just talk to the wife. She's yeah. got all kinds of plans. Yeah. So after 40 years of listening to Faith Radio here every day, I'm sure you listen with two different kinds of ears. One for yes. content and spiritual fulfillment and one for technical and how is it sounding kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, which one outweighs? Does it go back and forth some days? Uh, mostly right. it leans towards the technical. Okay. And the beauty of that is that we can be doing a whole broad spectrum of, of different uh, genres, uh, different topics, all, all that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, my first objective is, is it sounding good? Of course. Of course, I appreciate that. My first objective is, am I, am I making sense? You know, so we, we come from, you know. Slightly different places, but yeah. um, what kind of uh, things, what kind of uh, uh, pieces of spiritual wisdom did you pick up over 40 years of coming into Faith Radio? I, I thought about sharing a, a, a proverb that I, I made, that I made up. Okay. Okay. This is Mark's, second, second Mark. Not St. John, Mark. This okay. is Mark the, the quiet guy. Okay. Uh, in that um, I feel like Jesus has been my friend since I've been like five years old. And it's been hard for me to relate that to people in reference to uh, being born again. Okay, what what does that mean, being a friend, being born again? And and the story that that I've made up is that uh, I'm an only child. After all these years, I'm still an only child. And if I had a brother and I got in trouble... Let's say uh, I'm five years old and I uh, stole a nickel. And my parents caught me and they were going to punish me. And my brother st- stood in front and says, no, no, I'll take care of it. Here, here's, I'll, I'll give you a nickel. And, and he paid the price mm-hmm. for what I did wrong. And now advanced stuff about 20 years. And I have committed an unforgivable crime that has thrown me in, in jail and I'm going to be sitting in the electric chair or something because of what I've done. And I'm standing in front of the judge and he's coming up with a, with a, a, uh, an edict. And my brother comes along and says, that's okay. I'll, I'll sit in the chair for him. Mm. And I come back. Well, when, when I'm a little kid, I asked him, what, why, why, why are you paying the price? What, what's with the nickel? He goes, you, you'll understand someday. Just just tell your friends what I did. Mm-hmm. 
and now I've I've committed a, an unbelievable crime, and he's he's going to pay the price again. And I'm going, why are you doing this? He says, you're my brother. Mm. I, I, I love you. I, I, I die for you. Mm. And I'm going, you're kidding me. Why, what, who, where, what am I supposed to do with that? He goes, I want you to tell your friends what, I'm, what I've done for you. And that, that summarizes that 20-year that gap wow. of learning what Jesus really did. Why he's there. I like your proverb, Mark. Yeah, it's very powerful. We are going to miss you. Me too. Yeah. I'm going to miss me. You're going to miss you too. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, thank you so much. You know, if you've listened to Faith Radio over the last 40 years, you've been able to do that because partly Mark Allard has uh, kept us on the air and kept us going strong. And uh, so we are thanking him, and I'm just fond of his... Uh, friendship and his presence and his uh, integrity and his character and how much everyone here loves him. So I thought before he uh, squeaks out of the building for the last time, I wanted to get him into the studio and and, uh, say my farewell and also just let you hear part of his story. So that's uh, what we did. Mark Allard, thank you so much. Thank you. That wraps up our show for the day and the week. And have a great weekend. It is time to ring the bell. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.